I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 434. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. Metaphors of scripture make for great songs, but what's even more impactful is using the lyrics to inspire us to dig deeper than we ever have before. And that's what happened to me when I chose this week's song, Build a Boat by Colton Dixon. It points directly at Noah, and I can't wait to explore his story further with you. So without further ado... Let's listen. I often love to explore the story behind the song in preparation for the podcast. Sometimes it gives me insight. Sometimes it's just interesting. I'm going to go ahead and link to the Wally Show interview that I ran across in the show notes. But I laughed out loud at the description where it reads, We discussed the meaning and inspiration behind the song. Colton even made fun of me for a Captain Obvious moment about the biblical story the song is based on. So basically, Wally says something like, Man, when I hear this song, I think of Noah. But what were you thinking? And Colton was like, Noah. It was pretty funny. But if you had your own Captain Obvious moment when you heard the song, then you are as inspired as you need to be to dive into scripture. So if I were to ask you, where would you go in scripture to read about Noah? Where would you go first? Did you say Genesis? Yeah, that's where I thought too. Maybe you said Hebrews? Yeah, I was right there with you because we just spent some time in Hebrews last week. And if you took the challenge to read the entire book of Hebrews, which I hope you did, it might be fresh in your mind that Noah is listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. But would you have said 1 Chronicles, Isaiah, Ezekiel, 1st and 2nd Peter, and the red letters of Jesus in Matthew and Luke? That's a lot to explore, and honestly, we won't get to it all, but we will start in Genesis. So if you start reading in Genesis chapter 1, you will see things progressing pretty quickly. And when I say progressing, I mean spiraling out of control. (laughs) Noah is introduced in a genealogy in chapter 5, but his story really unfolds beginning in chapter 6. And I'm not sure if you've read it lately, but after this time, when you read it again, because I know you will, I think you'll agree that Noah's story of the Bible is not the story of children's Bibles and nursery decorations. Spoiler alert, everyone dies. Everyone, of course, except Noah and his family and the animals. Which leads me to ask the question, why? Why 
did everyone die? And Noah didn't. So at the end of Genesis 4, people begin to call on the name of the Lord. But by Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Except for Noah. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. The favor of the Lord allowed Noah to be described later as righteous, blameless in his generation, and a man who walked with God. I think God's favor led to Noah walking with God, which led to his righteousness. You know, favor is translated grace in the King James Version. And without God's grace, it would never even dawn on us to walk with God because in our fallen nature, our bent is much like the people in Noah's time for every intention of the thoughts of our heart to be evil continually. So in God's grace, in a generation filled with violence and wickedness, Noah walked with God and remained righteous. That's a big deal. Now I contend, as I mentioned earlier, that Noah remained righteous because Noah walked with God. So let's meditate on that for a bit. That's a bite, by the way, meditation. Bite stands for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise, and I want to pair this bite with another one, which is to use our imagination. So as we meditate on, or as we let it roll around in our minds, what it means to walk with God, let's use our imagination and picture in our minds what it means to walk with anyone. So I've actually started walking periodically with a friend. I love it. It gets me moving in the morning. I feel more energized and creative on days that I walk with her. And another benefit is that I get to be with her. She's a dear friend. And while we text and send voice messages to each other to stay connected, there's nothing like being in her presence. So when I'm in that close of proximity to her, I can see her expressions. She can jump in and ask me clarifying questions when I'm talking, and I can connect with her, not only in her feedback to my stories, but I get to hear her stories and the deep things of her heart as well. And because I'm with her, we're experiencing the world around us together. So if I'm on the phone with her... I could uh, point out our neighborhood hawk or mention it, but when we're on a walk, we see him diving for his prey together. Now, God wants this kind of intimacy. He wants his presence to be a meaningful part of our life. And interestingly enough, I actually shared these thoughts with my friend this week, and that's taking the bite of sharing with a friend. It's a Bible interaction tool exercise because sometimes Uh, What happens is that your friend will share another perspective or ask a probing question or offer deeper insight. And all of that makes your time in God's word even more effective and fulfilling something God intends for us, which is to be in community with other members of the body of Christ. But anyway, after sharing my walking thoughts with her, she added another thought, and that is pace. When we're on a walk, We're walking together. She doesn't set a pace that I scramble to catch up to, nor does she run ahead. She also doesn't lag behind because if any of these things happened, then we wouldn't be walking with each other. We would, when walking with God, he doesn't run ahead. He doesn't leave me behind. Sometimes I like to run ahead of God if I'm perfectly honest, but then that ceases to be walking with him. All things to ponder this week as you consider this story. You know, it's great that Noah walked with God. You could explore others in scripture that are described as walking with God. Uh, But I'm here to tell you it's important that you walk with God. It's important to God that I walk with him. 
And I'm thinking of Micah 6, 8, where it says, He's told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. So when we walk humbly with our God, we get to know his heart too. We are in harmony with each other. We are headed in the same direction. God taking the lead, we get to know him on a more intimate level. And then through our time together, we see him clearer and ultimately begin to reflect him better. Noah walked with God and it was reflected in his own character, a ray of righteousness in a wicked generation. Now, our song also points to something that I wanted to meditate on further this week. It says, I will build a boat in the sand where they say it never rains. Now, perhaps you're not familiar with this, but many scholars believe that not only was Noah inland, of course, where boats were not needed, but many believe it had not yet rained on the earth. So here you have a guy that is righteous in the midst of of great wickedness, that's already going to make him an outcast. (laughs) Then he's endeavoring on a huge building project, which seems foolish to everyone around him. I mean, it doesn't matter if it had ever rained or not. I will link to an interesting article that makes the case for both sides of the discussion, but it doesn't matter if it had never rained or not. Building an ocean liner in the middle of the desert because God told you to is not a way to fade into the background of culture, right? So consider this as well. Noah had a personal relationship with God, but he was also responsible for saving his family. Because when all was said and done and the door of the ark closed, it was Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Eight people on a boat in the middle of the desert and the animals. But I don't think God made an exception for Noah's kids. You know, what I mean is I don't I don't think he invited wickedness onto the boat. I think Noah raised them to walk with God too. I took the bite of consulting an outside resource in my study this week. I pulled down a commentary that had belonged to my grandfather. I love what it says about Noah's children. It says, Shem, Ham, and Japheth had all been born within the last century before the flood, and they had lived in the midst of this corrupt society all their lives. The marvel is that they themselves somehow escaped the corruption. Had it not been for the example and teachings of their godly parents and God. Uh, grandparents, no doubt they also would have been inundated in the wickedness. And this is my favorite part. It says, one factor which possibly helped was that their father probably kept them busy for many years in building the ark and making preparations for the flood. I had never considered this idea, but it really resonated with me. He was, Noah was actively proclaiming the things of God to his family too, and giving them God-given purpose and activity alongside him. It it just seems like a walk with me as I walk with God model that I want to emulate as a parent. Now, a couple of other things jump out at me before we move over to Hebrews chapter 11. The first words of Noah are found in Genesis 9. So the entire account of the ark and the flood includes only God's words to Noah. Oh, and Noah's actions. Talk about actions speak louder than words. In Genesis 6.22, it says, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Genesis 7.5 says, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. And then in Genesis 8, God said to go out. And in verse 18, it says, so Noah went out. Those are just a few examples. So I'm assuming a lifetime of walking with God included back and forth conversation. (laughs) But what is recorded is God's words and Noah's obedience. God's direction and Noah's obedience are the stars of this account. 
So surely there were more obstacles than a giant building project, getting the animals to it, but uh, read it for yourself. I think the details of what is included is as telling as the details that were left out. Now, again, it doesn't mean that we can't use our imagination to meditate on this very dark scene. Like I said, everyone dies. Uh, And you may think that our cancel culture is bad right now, but in Noah's day, the entire population is wicked and Noah and his family are righteous. (laughs) I'm sure that that made for some pretty hostile encounters with others as he kept on his feet on the path of God's leading. And if you think Noah's witness was merely a righteous life, think again. 2 Peter 2.5 says this, God did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. Now, it sounds like Noah did not necessarily follow that preach the gospel at all times and and sometimes use words approach. The NIV translates his role as preacher of righteousness. Uh, The ESV, however, calls him a herald of righteousness. So I use the bite of looking up the word herald in the English dictionary. And I see someone who is proclaiming and announcing and someone who indicates or signals the coming of something. So Noah didn't just live righteously. He heralded righteous living. He proclaimed it and he warned the world around him and he called them to a repentance that they ignored. Another aspect of Noah that I meditated on this week was his faith. And that's what our song's talking about too. Standing up in faith and doing whatever it takes, our lyrics says. So in an interview with New Release Today's Kevin Davis, Colton Dixon talks about the song and he says this, when God asks you to step out and do something big, he's not trying to rob you of anything. He wants to give you something greater. So I, I agree. When God is was not trying to uh, rob Noah of his relationships with the people in his sphere of influence, with everything we've studied so far, I think we can honestly say that God had something much greater in mind. Of course, we have the benefit of the rest of the story. But Colton goes on to say, you might be going through a tough season right now, but God has a season of reaping and harvesting ahead for you. This song is meant to encourage um, you to get through your daily life, the decisions you make, and even the why behind those choices. Ultimately, when everything is stripped away, it comes down to faith. Crazy faith isn't about saying what kind of crazy thing can I do? It's about walking with God to do the impossible. It means going into the unknown where he's the only one who can get you across that mountain or that ocean that separates you from what he's called you to do. So let's go there with Colton. Let's talk about Noah's crazy faith, which leads us to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, this time in God's word uh, is most effective if you go back and read uh, the Genesis account of Noah. And then if you read and keep on reading, you realize that Noah is not perfect, nor were his kids. He is not with this without sin, nor were his kids. But he's still known for his faith over here in Hebrews chapter 11. So rest in that thought, though, right? Uh, surrender to a walk with God. Walk in his grace. Live a blameless life in your community. But remember, it won't be a sinless life. Only Christ could do that. So if we're going to read Hebrews 11, I really think we're going to read Hebrews 10 and then read all the way through Hebrews 12 at a minimum. That's taking the bite of reading in context. 
And boy, it will make a difference this week because instead of jumping in at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, that says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So instead of jumping in there and meditating on that individual verse, which I hope you do at some point, but instead of jumping in there, consider this verse plus everything we've talked about so far in light of the end of chapter 10. Verse 32 of chapter 10 says, but recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction and sometimes being partners with those so treated. Wow. Doesn't that sound like what we imagined for Noah? Uh, public reproach and affliction, even though it wasn't spoken of in scripture, I think we can rightfully imagine that that happened. Let's keep reading in verse 34. For you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Take the bite of remembering that the Hebrew readers of this letter were real and their suffering was real. And at the same time, remember that Noah was real too. He was not a puppet. He was not just a character in a story. He was a righteous follower walking with God. Verse 36, if you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Now, am I the only one who thinks that this could have been written for Noah too? (laughs) You have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Oh, it's so good. Then the author of Hebrews quotes from the prophet Habakkuk, starting in verse 37. For yet a little while and the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, the Hebrews author goes on to say, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. All right, so faith is introduced here and then unpacked further as we turn the page to Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Now, Warren Wearsby, in his commentary on Hebrews, and I will link to this, that resource as well, says this, this is not a definition of faith, but a description of what faith does and how it works. True Bible faith is not blind optimism, he says, or a manufactured hope so feeling. Neither is it an intellectual assent to a doctrine. It is certainly not believing in spite of evidence. That would be superstition. True faith, true Bible faith, is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. I'm going to read that again. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. So good and exactly what we see in the life of Noah, which is why he's listed here in Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Noah didn't believe God based on nothing. Noah believed God based on evidence. Like Noah, we just we just need to look around at the magnificent world uh, to see God's handiwork. Hebrews 11, 3 puts it this way. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And we have that same evidence that Noah had in creation. 
Noah also uh, believed God based on the substance of his walking with him and his relationship with God. Noah's faith was also founded in his on his identity in the Lord. God's favor rested upon Noah, and Noah was able to obey because of God's grace upon his life. Now, another phrase jumped out at me from Wearsby's commentary. He says, the best way to grow in faith is to walk with the faithful. Oh, so good and so relevant to what we've been talking about today. I have two thoughts on this. I want to be like Noah and walk with my faithful God. And I will reflect the righteousness of my Savior the more time I spend with him. But on another practical level, I will reflect the level of obedience of the people I walk with also. Am I walking with people who are actively listening to the voice of God through his word? Are the believers I'm walking with stirred up in their inner man? Are they obedient to God's leading? Do they herald his goodness and his path to salvation? One final question. Do you? Are you faithful? Are you someone followers of Christ should want to walk with? Is your faith growing as you are walking with your faithful God? Are you giving God every opportunity to speak to you through time in his word? Are you willing to build a boat in a land that never rains because God stirs it within you? Do you obey even when it's not popular? Do you live a life proclaiming the gospel with your life and your words? So what's next? Well, dig deep into the account of Noah's life. Gain perspective by reading from Genesis chapter 1 through Noah's death in chapter 9. Take some time to consider what walking with God looks like, what it looked like for Noah, what that means for you. Journal your thoughts or discuss it with a friend. Head over to Hebrews chapter 10 and 11. Meditate on Noah's faith and what that kind of faith might look like in your life right now as well. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneezat or on Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat is my public page, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, the More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. Check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then I would be honored if you followed the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. But if you sign up on my website, michellekneezat.com, then I am able to email you once a week with the show notes with all the scriptures I use and the links to all all of the resources that I mention on the podcast and even more resources that I don't mention but that I used in my personal study. And then my featured free resource for new email subscribers this week is an archive of my interactive worksheets that I've created for various podcast episodes over the years. You can find them all in one place now in an archive that I've created and you'll gain exclusive access to that archive when you subscribe to my email list at michellekneezat.com. Now, with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who've subscribed recently, like Tracy from Texas, Joyce from Delaware, Michaela from Texas, Evan from Texas, Amanda from Oklahoma, Tarina from California, Pat from Texas, Michael from Michigan, Julie from Wisconsin, Carolyn from Nebraska, Colleen from Minnesota, Rebecca from Michigan, Sherry from Texas, Brisana from Oregon, Lim from Nevada, Angela from Iowa, Kathy from Kansas, Mary Kay from Minnesota, and Barbara from Zimbabwe welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, can you do that today? Head over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. 
Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be featuring Plans by Wren Collective to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 434. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.